listener production. <coughs> Hold on, I've got it. Sorry, I'm on my phone because um, Muhammad is home from well, it's holiday, so he's home, mm. and Rhiannon had to go into work because there's just been an upswing in testing. So mm. Rhiannon's been called in for like extra emergency shifts, and he <laughs> he called me today, like an hour ago, and he was like, Rosie. I haven't eaten for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and I was like, oh, are you home alone? He's like, yeah, mum had to work. And I was like, is there any food in the cupboards? No. Mm. I was like, do you want me to order you McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> so Muhammad got a chicken Big Mac meal. because they oh, make folded. Of course. Oh, I always do. That's why he calls me because he mm. knows I'll always say yes. He got a chicken Big Mac meal because they make Big Macs but with chicken patties now instead of the beef mm. and an Oreo McFlurry. I'm just making sure that it got through, which it has. Okay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> been a big year? It's been a big year. Been a big year. And this is... For the last, well, we're doing a little, oh, I guess it's our last proper episode for mm. 2021. Yes? No? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, I've already done that. Um, t- oh, just take it away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dulcet, Adonis, etc. Just do do your part now. <laughs> oh, hello, listeners. Welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which... Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party, maybe even sitting around the Christmas table Mm. as hopefully you'll be able to get together with people because you won't somehow fall victim to this latest outbreak, which seems to be all anyone's talking (sighs) about, but maybe we'll just skim over that and not mention it. Just when we think we're out, it pulls us back in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm meant to be going to Sydney tomorrow mm-hmm. and I don't know. One of my flights has already been cancelled. Who knows what's the haps is. Mm-hmm. And my sister lives in southwest Sydney, you know, like ground zero. I feel like I'm just going to step off the plane and get Omicron. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> so pray for us. Hashtag praying hands. Hashtag here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's like right when we were like, oh, this year's nearly over. Mm-hmm. We've made it. Mm-hmm. No more. Ha-ha, <laughs> suckers. Should have known. As soon as we got comfortable, things were going to start to get messy again. I know. Mm. I know. So we'll see. I mean, maybe or maybe we won't be back in 2022. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure this is exactly how we ended, like, talked in our last episode of 2020, we mm-hmm. were like, will we be back next year? Who mm-hmm. knows? Which at the time was really funny because we were like, what year could be worse than 2020? Mm-hmm. And then 2021 was like, hold my beer. And now <laughs> we're like, that's never going to happen again. And 2022 is waiting in the wings like, ha, 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 ha. I feel like it's going to be a trilogy. No, and the final chapter not. in a trilogy is always the most extreme. We've got live shows. Yeah. And we've been rehearsing. Like, we... You know when you're in high school and with your friends and um, you just spent the day learning dances that mm-hmm. you were like, even not even to do in like the school talent show, just learning the dance, just to learn it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jacob and I have spent a few days doing that because, you know, that's what our live show can't, there's dances. Mm. 
So we've been dancing the last few days. Be warned. Yeah. Be warned. And we also um, ordered our costumes. Yeah. Because there's costume changes, my friends. Mm-hmm. It's all happening. I mean, unless Omicron is like, lol, you want to book in a live tour? Ha, 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 ha. Oh, gosh. I really, 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 really hope not. And I'm sure all the people who bought tickets already really, really, really hope not. Yeah. And it is selling fast. Like, so let's just tell Omicron, no thank you. Mm -hmm. Sydney, first show sold out. The second show is almost sold out. Um, Melbourne's almost sold out. It's like selling like hotcakes. Everywhere. Getting quickly. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Um, last minute Chrissy Prezi. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Indeed. Um, we are really putting on a spectacle. So A display. A display. Mm-hmm. We are putting on a display. We are making a display of ourselves. Pageantry. It's, it's all pageantry. You should see the outrageously expensive costumes we ordered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, and you should feel how sore my body is right now from, still. like, the dancing practice. Mm. Yes, still. How dare you? Yours isn't. Mine mm. is. It is quite vigorous, though. It's vigorous. Mm. Yeah, I was tired. Mm. Okay, shall we get into breaking news? Yes. <gasps> Breaking news, a breaking news. I got the scoop. I see extra, extra. Read all about it. A breaking news. For the last time in 2021, it's a coming down the wire. <laughs> First up, most important, Muhammad got his McDonald's. <laughs> the lights dimmed just then. Yeah, I know. That. That, it was, just as I said that, the lights in here flickered on and off like there's a thunderstorm outside. Oh. Oh, God. Should we call him and check he's okay? <laughs> made a bad decision somehow? Hold on, let's call him. That just made me feel like maybe the McDonald's was poisoned. I mean, allegedly. No, please sponsor us. Let's just give him a call. Okay, here we go. Muhammad? Yeah? Hey, you're live on the podcast. Really? Yeah, let me see you. Bring the camera up to yourself. I'm comparing. I'm playing PlayStation. That's not interesting to our listeners. How was your McDonald's? Uh, good. I almost threw up. Oh, why? I don't know. The chicken on the bone? Was it too much chicken? Yes. Was the Oreo McFlurry melted when you got it? Yes, kind of. Yeah, but it was still good. Yeah. Am I the best auntie in the world who, when you call me and say you haven't eaten for hours and hours and hours, which I know is a blatant lie, I still buy you McDonald's? Yes. Okay. Are you you excited to see me tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Well, you've been begging to come on the podcast all year and you've really taken advantage (laughs) of this opportunity. (laughs) You've entertained us all. (laughs) A star is born. Do you want to tell a joke? Yes. Okay, go. Oh, just says, uh, a lady was giving birth. No, you can't tell that one. No, 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 you're a poo. No, you're a poo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. I promised you you could get on the podcast before the end of the year, and you have. Goodbye. 
Merry do you have, a, do you have a message for the Gistners before you go? Please follow my TikTok. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 What's your TikTok? The little Momo. The Lil Momo. Okay, please follow Muhammad's TikTok at the Lil Momo. Okay, love you. Bye. I'll see you tomorrow. No, I, I can't wait to listen to, to, to see this podcast. Oh, to listen to this one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> You'll be on it. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, my God. He's been hassling me all year. Me all year. Can I come on the podcast? Can I come on the podcast? And then I do and he's like, yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Because of the chicken. Yes. And that joke he was about to tell. Is that the redhead one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's told no, it no, to no, me. no. I know he can't. I can't believe that's what he was about to tell. Mm. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> so, into breaking news. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was oofed Chris North. Oh. Very mm. deserved fall from grace. Mm-hmm. So, as you all know, as I think everybody knows, um, since the first episodes of SATC, the new And Just Like That came out, and then that genius Peloton rebuttal ad to mm. the Peloton thing, and everyone was like, Chris Noss having a moment. And, of course, because why are men, he mm. then gets... Um, uh, me too Me too mm. uh, A few women have come forward with... Um, we have to say alleged um, uh, incidences of sexual assault mm. by him, and um, more women seem to be coming forward every day because mm. a man who behaves that way never does it in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only bring it up because you, you were so. I read today that um, he had with the revival of and just like that, and his kind of like pe- the Peloton ad, and he was mm. having a moment. He was about to sign a thirteen million dollar deal to sell his like tequila through some company uh-huh. that's now been kiboshed. So mm-hmm. I was like good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking the other day about has there ever been a quicker yeah. rise, like renaissance and fall? Yes. Fell so Literally fast, so one fast. day. It was like, was it less than 24 hours uh-huh. that everyone was like, Chris North, what a legend. And then they were like, ew, what a creep. Mm-hmm. So I think the best way to wrap up this news is uh, a tweet by uh, one of my favourite uh, TV comedy writers called Gary Janetti <laughs> tweeted, <laughs> Well, I guess now we know why Carrie didn't call 911. (laughs) (laughs) Good riddance. They made it make sense. (laughs) That made it make sense. Um, Next. Okay. I love this so much. This was out in the news this week. So, and a lot of people sent it to us because of the episode you did about the twins switched at birth. Mm -hmm. And so there was this nurse in 2017 in Zambia who on her deathbed, said, I switched 5,000 babies. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm dead and died. <laughs> and so she was like, if you were born between 1983 and 1995 at this hospital, your parents probably aren't <gasps> your parents, right? Oh. And so this story suddenly started going around on TikTok and all these places recently. Yeah. Now, Snopes, the website mm. that debunks stories, debunked it. Uh-huh. Apparently, all Snopes said was, they cannot find uh, any um, record of that woman having worked at that hospital. Mm-hmm. They can't really trace the origin of the story. But I kind of think pretty convenient mm. because don't you think like the Zambian government and the hospital where she worked would want to be like, she never worked here. It was a hoax. That never happened. That never mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. 
because they would be liable for like gazillions of dollars. So even though Snopes debunked this story, I'm choosing to believe it is true. Okay. <laughs> Either way, it's a really great prank. It's a really great <laughs> prank. Just on the way out, she was like, how can I really mess yeah. with <laughs> And I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> or um, over the course of those years, it's dark. It is. It's yeah, it's pretty dark. It's, kind of. If it's true, it could lead to some fascinating, like, discoveries around nature versus nurture. It really could. I mean, it's it's a, a little similar except the other way. Um, that show, a uh, great Australian show I wrote for called Sisters, mm. um, and that was about a, like, IVF doctor who used his own sperm in mm. every baby he ever helped make. Mm. And so then all these kids realise that they're all related because he basically just played God for mm. years and years and years. And there's real stories of doctors mm. doing that, mm. so... <sighs> That's wild. We've got to wait for some wild deathbed confessions. Mm. I feel like I want to make up something really cool for my deathbed that, like, isn't true but just sends people into a spin for years and years and years. Like, I don't know, what's a mystery you really want solved? Like, I know where Melissa Caddick's other foot is. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Dead. I'm Azaria Chamberlain. <laughs> yes. Something like that. You really would want to. Oh, Yeah. Got to come up with something good. Um, and my last little bit of breaking news for, I guess, the year is um, you informed me the other day because you tend to keep track of the JTG Insta mm. that somebody helpfully wrote through and said, you guys should do a Just the Gist on this really interesting story about this woman called Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. And you were like, yes, we did that. It was one of our first ever episodes. Yeah. And then this woman was like, oh, well, it'd be really good if you could do some updates. And you were like, we do updates literally every second week. We always talk about Elizabeth Holmes. I was so shocked mm. that somebody felt like we haven't talked about Elizabeth Holmes enough. Mm. See, I've held off on talking about her recently because the trial's been going on and I was like, if I tell you every single week in breaking news what is the latest in the trial, mm. we will become an Elizabeth Holmes podcast and we are not. So I was just kind of waiting for the trial to end mm. and then I was going to give a big wrap-up. Mm. But, I mean, I will say, yes, I've been keeping track of the trial. I've been listening to three separate podcasts about it mm. each week. Um, it it basically wrapped up. The defence has rested. The prosecution has rested. She did take the stand in her own defence, which mm. a lot of people weren't sure she would. She did do the thing that everybody thought she would, which was um, blame her business partner and uh, a Former romantic lover. partner mm. Yeah, of, uh, of many years. She said that he was, in fact, abusive and that mm. she had to do whatever he said. Um, but it's kind of been through literal evidence of messages to each other and emails and whatever that that's probably not the case mm -hmm. and she's just using it as a way to um, uh, pass the buck to him. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of different legal experts have said that they think it could go either way, mm -hmm. that she was quite compelling on the stand and people could very much believe her and have sympathy for her. It also helps that she had a very strategically placed baby mm. right before the trial started. Um, uh, and also apparently the prosecution did at times get really caught up in like the science and the business side of things, which juries find boring. Mm. Other people have said that um, it it is just so obvious that she did it that, you know, she was literally, like, doctoring different documents and, and like, they had actual, 
you know, they she would say like, oh, no, I never said that. And then they would play her a recording mm. of her saying that. And she would go, well, I don't remember saying that. And they'd mm. be like, well, you said it. Like, And so it, experts have kind of said they're not sure which way the jury's going to go. Mm. But then it hit Christmas break and um, the jury hadn't, like they had gone off for deliberations, I think, but they hadn't, I don't, as far as I know, they haven't come to a decision yet. And if they take too long, they're going to have to break over Christmas and then mm. come back and decide after Christmas. Mm. So there is the latest update. It is going to be very soon. It'll be at some point in the new year, like, or even this week, yeah. that a verdict will happen. Um, yeah, to me, it doesn't seem like they'll need to deliberate for that long, mm. surely. But I don't know. Like, apparently she's, I mean, the whole reason she got away with what she did for so long is because she's a very enigmatic, charismatic person. Mm. And apparently she did really well on the stand. Mm. They wouldn't have put her up there if they didn't think she could fight for her life. Oh, and she'd been so closely coached. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's been years. Like, people forget all of this went down in about, when did it all fall apart? About 2015, 2016. Mm. And her legal team has been so successful at putting off the case, putting off the case, putting off the case. Mm. So it's now been like five years of them teaching her, coaching Mm. her Mm -hmm. for this one moment on the stand. I think she was on the stand for about a week. Yeah. Yeah. And every time they would ask her something that mm, if she remembered it might make her look favourable, she had crystal clear memory. Crystal clear. And then any time there was anything that might shine an unfavourable light. I don't recall. I don't recall, but she'd always do it in a very sort of soft way. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't think I said that, but I yeah. don't remember. Like, Which one of the lawyers said it's a very distinct difference between saying I never said that mm. and saying I don't remember saying that mm. because then you can't be implicated for lying. Mm-hmm. You're like... Or like, you know, I, or she'd say, I don't think I would have said that, yeah. which kind of puts the onus on the other person. Like maybe they're remembering it wrong. Mm. Like, so she was very tricky mm-hmm. and very good. Mm. Um, and all of this kind of coincides with the first images of Amanda Seyfried playing her yeah. in The Dropout, which is the, I think it's a film. Is it a film or it's a TV a show? It's a series. A series mm. based on The Dropout podcast. Mm. So there you go, uh, Jisna, who thought we'd never mentioned Elizabeth Holmes. (laughs) We have. I think about her daily. She takes up about on the pie chart of my brain a quarter of the pie chart. (laughs) So (laughs) when Jacob told me that you thought we didn't talk about it or didn't talk about it enough, I was like, bring it on. (laughs) Have you got 45 minutes? (laughs) I've got so much to say that I've been holding back because Mm. much like when Britney was at its Prime, I we kind of turned into a bit of a Britney update podcast and we, mm. we've got to be careful of doing stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so that's it. I really hope we get a verdict this week. Oh, me too. That's all I want for And Christmas. if we do, we'll do an emergency recording. For sure. Mm. Because I have been waiting for this woman to be sent to prison mm-hmm. for like five years. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't go to prison, it will be an absolute travesty mm-hmm. of justice and it just shows that if you have money, the law doesn't apply to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Money and privilege yep. as well. Big time. Yes. So yeah. that um, was our last little break in news for 2021. Wow. That was it. Oh, we made it. Muhammad almost telling a very cancelable joke. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been cancelled at eight years old if I let him keep telling that joke. And um, I think it's up on his TikTok. Oh, God. No, it's not. Well, he told you to go follow at the little Momo, so 
That's Lil L I L. The Lil Momo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, that's gonna milkshake duck him in the future, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a breaking news. Okay. Let's do this. All right. So if you listened last week, you already know, I'm assuming, that I am doing the story of the Chippendales Mm. crime spree, which spanned years. And it's a very, very juicy story. All of the seven deadly sins are featured, lust, greed, pride, all of them. And we're talking about a series of murders and arsons and various other Mm. felonies that happened mostly throughout the 80s and 90s, all in the name of growing and protecting the Chippendales brand. Um, And along the way, it's also a story about how this one little nightclub in Los Angeles managed to significantly shift mainstream culture around the world forever. And at the centre of it all is this really ambitious, greedy, vindictive, paranoid man who owned the Chippendales and was just willing to do whatever it took to get to the top and stay there. Mm, The top of the very tiny, whitey, sparkly, G-string heap, mm-hmm. male heap. Mm-hmm. Mm. He wanted to be the cream. That's right. So what do you think of when I say Chippendales? Chippendales, I think of um, like male stripper shows. Mm-hmm. It's like the famous like uh, dance, like kind of like because anything for women is always better. So mm. it's not seedy. Like you don't go to a seedy strip club like men do. It's mm. like a full-on concert Women all go together for, like, hens parties and stuff. Mm -hmm. The men come out and do massive dance numbers that always end up in them in tiny little knickers. I don't think they ever go full Monty. No, they don't take it off. And it's a lot of, like, audience participation, bringing up, like, you know, the hen of the hens group up Mm. on stage and rubbing up against her. I remember we went to... It wouldn't have been Chippendales branded because there's so many copycats mm. now. But for Rhiannon's 21st, we went on a stripper, male stripper cruise. Uh-huh. And it was like, women go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like the energy in the room reaches mass hysteria, fever, pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, and like, it's kind of like, I guess what um, the end product of it was Magic Mike. Yeah. 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 But Chippendales kicked this all off. Yeah, exactly. None of this existed. Never. And it, all it wasn't kind of even by accident on anyone's mind that men could do mm. this. Stripping was for women yeah. when this ha- when Chippendales started. This all kind of happened by accident. Yeah, along the way. Tell us about it. All right. So we'll kick off in July of 1991, 30 years ago this year, mm-hmm. and a troop of very buff, very tanned, very aggressively American male exotic dancers were on tour. Aggressively tour American. <laughs> That was a big part of their gimmick. They were the men of Hollywood. The troupe was called Adonis. And it wasn't... Like you! (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was just a direct rip-off of Mm. the Chippendale shows. There were copycats all over the place at this point. And one night in Blackpool, just very shortly after the show had commenced, the MC was on stage and called down immediately Mm. and told, we have to put you into protective custody because the FBI has found out that someone has hired an assassin to kill you. To kill the MC of a little male stripper show. Mm -hmm. And his manager (laughs) and a couple of other members of the dance troupe using cyanide injections of all things. Wowzers. And so these weren't the Chippendales. These were a copycat. That's right. Okay. They were ex-Chippendales, though. Oh. Mm, They'd left Chippendales to go and work at Adonis. Mm. And the FBI, when they found out out about this, they were sort of like, 
what, but mm. they had to be responsible and take action. So they investigated the threat and then it turned out that was just the first loose thread mm. that when they started pulling on it, it unraveled this mess of crimes that had happened over the course of decades that were all linked back to a guy called Steve Banerjee, who was mm. the man who owned the Chippendales. And when it was at its prime at that point in the early 90s, Chippendales was making $35 million a year from tours and from merch and from the clubs they ran in the States. But that empire started off with very, very humble beginnings in 1973. So when he was 27, Mm. Shoman Banerjee, that was his original name before he changed it to Steve. Yeah, he's an Indian immigrant and that's a traditional Bengali name. I thought he just called himself Shoman. Pure coincidence (laughs) because he did go on to create these shows based on these showmen. Should have kept his traditional name. Would have worked really nicely, yeah. yeah. Um, He was a very entrepreneurial kind of guy. Mm. Um, he'd moved from India to Canada and then the States in the 60s, started off working as a janitor, saved his money, bought a petrol station, saved his money, bought another petrol station, mm. sold them both and bought a nightclub in West Los Angeles. Yep. Had absolutely no idea what he was doing, but he just had this dream that he wanted to be the next Hugh Hefner and live a really decadent <laughs> lifestyle, mm-hmm. surrounded by glamorous people and be filthy rich, the American dream. It's kind of like how kids these days, you ask them what they want to be and they say TikTok stars. Mm. Back in the day, men wanted to be Hugh Hefner. That's right. Yeah. And he figured buying a nightclub was the way he was going to move forward with that. So he renamed the club from Round Robin to Destiny 2 because this was his new destiny, his second destiny. I guess it also makes people feel like there's a Destiny 1, so then they think Mm. it's like a the second of a fancy series. of version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was not. Um, And it really didn't draw much of a crowd at first. It looked like the club was headed for failure in its first few years. And then in 75, a guy called Ray Cologne started hanging out in the club and he made friends with Banerjee. And according to Ray Cologne, he was the one that told Banerjee, look, if you want to turn this place around and actually draw in a crowd, you've got to get rid of that crappy band and start playing disco music. That's what everyone's into right now. Uh, That's what's going to attract the ladies. And you've got to get some better lighting and better sound systems. And Steve followed his advice. It did the trick. Destiny 2 became very popular on weekends. It was the only club that was open till 4 in the morning in Los Angeles. Remember when the only clubs open till 4 or 5 in the morning were the gay clubs in Sydney? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we'll go back to that. I don't think so. And even if we did, I'm too old now. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's past my time. (laughs) Um, so weekends, great, but pretty quiet the other nights of the week. And so Banerjee was trying really hard to find a way to get people excited to come to the club on the quiet nights so he could actually start turning a profit. Mm-hmm. And so he tried out a few gimmicks like backgammon tournaments and disco classes. Women's mud wrestling was the most successful thing that Ugh, he of it was. experimented with. Because why are men? Mm. Um, but even that success was relatively minor. So he was constantly on the lookout for this magical element that would bring in a big crowd Mm. every night. And then it was 1978 that he decided the missing ingredient was opulence. So he refurbished (laughs) the entire club with very luxe-looking Chippendale-style furniture, which is like elaborate 18th century-style dark wood, Mm. velvet. You know who likes that style? Caleb. Caleb, yeah. He would have loved it. Yeah. And based on how he'd fit the club out, he decided to rename it 
Chippendales ah, to make it sound super sophisticated. Classy. Yes. And then he tarnished that name forever. Mm. <laughs> um, it did draw a crowd, but it didn't solve all of his problems because there was still a lot of quiet nights. And also disco was starting to wane in popularity at this time. So even mm. on the busy nights, he was making less money. So he was getting pretty desperate. He needed a big mm. attraction that was going to keep him afloat. And then... One day, late in 78, Banerjee accepted a meeting request from a very sleazy slimeball named Paul Snyder, whom we met last week. If you've listened to last week's episode about uh, Dorothy Stratton and her life with Paul Snyder, you know that Dorothy was the rising star at Playboy at this time mm. and that everyone in her life, including Hugh Hefner, wanted her to get rid of Snyder from the minute he arrived in Los Angeles because... Yeah. You could just tell on sight that he was a terrible hemorrhoid of a person. And even Banerjee hated Snyder. But like I said, he was a little bit desperate and kind of willing to try anything. You know, as soon as you just said the word hemorrhoid, it reminded me that we are like so mid-30s approaching middle age that the other night when you and I were out getting drunk, (laughs) we spent like an hour talking about how we had dealt with our hemorrhoids. Not not like current, just in the past. <laughs> we had this really in-depth conversation about hemorrhoids and how we treated them and how they worked and, and like how annoying they were. And it's just like how times have changed. That didn't need to leave the table. I feel like it's the, I just, no, I feel like people can relate, you know. Like oh. when you're 25, you talk about like what boys you like and who you're going to kiss on the weekend. And when you're 35, you're like, oh, my God, how do you deal with your hemorrhoids? <laughs> And I just love the insult. I think subconsciously you called him a hemorrhoid of a human because you were remembering our conversation from the other night when we had a rager (laughs) and got home at (laughs) 9.45. Oh, Merry Christmas, Jisners. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, Yeah, so Snyder sold himself as this club promoter with incredible connections through Dorothy to Playboy and to Hugh Hefner and tried to act like he was this big player. Which, after listening to our episode last week, you know he had no connections. He was just a hustler loser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Banerjee recognised it. Like, he Mm. could just tell from the way Snyder dressed the type of guy he was. But he sort of heard Snyder out. He pitched ideas Banerjee had already tried, like hottest man in Los Angeles competitions, but we'll Mm. get the Playboy bunnies to judge it or wet T-shirt competitions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it was the sort of thing that had already been tried. So it was like, "Mm, meh, Banerjee said, go away, work out the financials and then come back and see me once you've got something more concrete which Snyder did in January of 1979. Mm -hmm. But this time he came back with a totally different idea. He said, I went to this gay club in Canada. Mm. They had a strip show and I saw the gays go absolutely apeshit for it. And I think women would do the same thing. I think we should do a male strip competition, but only allow women to come into the club. Yeah. And he'd had all the numbers figured out. It looked kind of favourable. So Banerjee was like, okay, Nothing really to lose. Let's go ahead and give it a go. Snyder was going to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. So it was February 1979 that Chippendales ran their first ever male stripper competition. Very amateur. The cast were just random guys who'd been scouted at the beach and at gyms. And (laughs) Snyder had just sleezed up to them and asked them if they wanted to come to this club and strip off for women. Well, it was a competition, so you could win a hundred bucks. Oh, wow. 
if okay. you were the best performer. Yeah. Um, and the show was completely loose, no choreography really, apart just from what each guy had just, come up with. Yeah, dance to the music. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, no costumes. Um, some of the acts, though, were quite good. They did some sort of cool acrobatic stuff, mm. but a lot of them were really appalling. Like they just took their clothes <laughs> off and wiggled their junk in yeah, women's which faces. It's just a sign of like, I can do the yeah. Adele interview. Mm-hmm. Like I can go, like I've seen women strip. I'm sure it's easy. It's actually extremely hard to do it in an entertaining way. Mm-hmm. That women are going to actually enjoy <sighs> instead of just having something flop yes. towards their nose. Um, Anyway, the women who were there absolutely loved it. So the first night, the place was kind of half full. The very next week, they were completely sold out. Can you imagine the revelation it would have been at the time for the very first time ever as a woman Mm. to be allowed to celebrate the female gaze on a man Mm -hmm. rather than the male gaze on a woman? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even imagine how transformative that would have felt to have have that power dynamic flip mm-hmm. and for you to be the one in the audience screaming, take it off. Yep. And as soon as women started expressing that, Chippendales took that message and ran with it. And they were all like, yes, we entertain, but we empower. We are- Kind of felt like it, at the, I'm sure, felt like it at the time yeah. though. Yeah. Felt like role reversal. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. Um, the one issue was though, Paul Snyder was the MC. Oh, uh, didn't and suck. And he was dreadful. Of course he yes. was. Yeah. Um, but Again, the, I can do the Adele interview. Mm, I can MC the show. No, you can't, Paul. Yeah. Get a professional. Um, the only reason to keep Snyder around was because he was bringing Dorothy to the club and she was bringing her Playboy bunny friends. Uh, okay. And so that was kind of elevating the reputation even further. And I bet she hated even going. I bet she was just like, oh, okay, I'll go. She actually had a really fun time with her friends. But I think... She would have had a fun time with her friends going, but I think it was like as if she wanted to be doing this thing for Paul. Mm. Like it would have just been like, fine, mm. I'll do it for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, within a matter of weeks, the show was a sensation on the media because it was transgressive. It was getting loads of attention and it was mm. just novel. The idea of women paying their own money that they'd earn themselves to see men mm. jiggle around in G-strings. You mean women are sexual? Mm. Women get turned on? Mm. What? <laughs> um, but, yeah, quirky mm. and genius. Mm-hmm. The concept was on the nights the shows were happening, it was strictly women only until 10pm, then the men were allowed in. Mm-hmm. And that drew a huge crowd of men because they all wanted to come and pick up a woman who'd been warmed ah. up by the show, pre-moistened, Pre-fluffed, pre-moistened, gross, pre-moistened, ew. Chippendales. How long do you think women are moist for? It's not, they're not. (laughs) I don't want to know. I don't need to know. Women aren't moist for hours until penetration. It's like not, okay, well, I'll explain some things to you about women's genitalia after the show. Hard pass. <laughs> um, yeah, so the club was packed well beyond capacity mm. and pretty, pretty early on Dorothy Stratton had the very cute idea to put the male dancers and the male hosts into the little cuffs and collars and bow look. ties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was the one who got Hugh Hefner to give his blessing to use his trademark mm. costume. Um, so that became a big part of the Chippendales brand Early on, the buzz kept getting bigger and bigger over the course of a few months, and then they quickly realised we just can't keep going with Paul Snyder as yeah. the MC here. He was humourless, 
yeah. charmless, robotic. And also a real sleaze. Like women, I imagine, were going to these events as like a safe space for women. Mm. You're surrounded by women. Women hold the power in this room. And then you've got this sleazy man making you feel like he is just like every sleazy guy you've ever mm-hmm. met at a club. He probably tried to hit on a bunch of them. Like No doubt. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, it's I can imagine that it was just like, this has outgrown you extremely fast. Mm-hmm. You, you need to That's right. get lost. So Banerjee brought in a radio DJ guy called Richard, and Richard had no idea what he was showing up for that <laughs> night. But he got out on stage and went for it, did yeah. a fantastic job, whipped the crowd into a frenzy, which wasn't particularly difficult. Mm. Um, so Snyder was out, Richard was in, and once Banerjee didn't need Snyder at all anymore, he stopped giving him a cut of the profits. And Snyder was like, but this is my idea. And Banerjee mm. was sort of like, prove it. We don't have it in writing anywhere. Goodbye. I mean, I know, him from the club. I know how much of an asshole Snyder is, so I don't feel bad mm-hmm. for him. But at the same time, I'm like, he kind of has a point. It oh, was totally. his idea. Yes. But if he wasn't smart enough to get some kind of contract signed, mm-hmm. then, That's yeah, prove it, man. You're yep. an idiot. Yeah. Um, he kept trying to hang around at the club mm-hmm. like a rancid fart. So then, like, they literally told all the bouncers he's not allowed in anymore. Mm-hmm. And... That dispute is believed by a lot of people who were around at that time to be one of the main inciting incidents that led to him being so desperate to hang on to Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah. Um, and ultimately that tragically led to her mm. murder. Because um, the Playboy Mansion banned him as well. Mm. They stopped letting him in because he was just so annoying. Yeah. A weird hanger-on. Yeah. So goodbye, Paul Snyder. We won't talk about him any further. Um, Richard, the new MC, loved his gig. Mm-hmm. He was a very sort of goofy-looking, skinny guy. He wore a white tuxedo and roller skates while he was on stage. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, he was kind of like the comic relief yeah. in between all the sexy, sexy men. And, and it just proves that things like that are a skill. Like, to MC is a real skill. Mm. I get, I often get asked to MC things and I say no. Like, I'm... It is just not a skill set I have to mm. be an MC. People often assume I do, but I'm like, no, it is a very difficult thing to do and I'm just not very good at it. Mm. Um, and so it's just funny that Paul Snyder assumed he could do it, but then they send in a professional who just gets it like that because yep. to be an MC is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't just being an MC as well. He was kind of adding some creative direction. Mm. So he was the one who said, look, why don't we have maybe some input on what the guys wear before they take it off? And <laughs> yes. maybe we should have some input in their routines and maybe... Mm. We should request that they wear deodorant and cologne. Ah, yes. Oh, That'd mm-hmm. be a nice little mm-hmm. touch. Mm-hmm. And so he was starting to make some progress there. Then one night, the LAPD showed up in the middle of a show and shut everything down for Why? indecent exposure. <gasps> really? Yep. So they'd been tipped off that but the strip, men were getting naked. But strip clubs with women don't get shut down. Oh. Mm-hmm. Why are men? That is gender dynamics mm-hmm. to the mat. And also Banerjee was like, technically, they're not naked. No one's taking their yeah, G-string off. Yeah, they never got all the way. And they just argued, well, we can see enough of their butt that that's technically um, public nudity. So they arrested all of the dancers. Oh. They also fined Chippendales quite a lot of money because they'd witnessed the women groping the dancers. And that was one of the technicalities that in a venue like that, there could be no touching. And Meanwhile, so, those police that night after the arrest would have gone to their local strip joint and, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then whenever they had interactions with the cops, a lot of the cops would be like, so how do I get a job here? Yeah, right? Yeah. 
they could see how much fun it was and how and much how money, much they, could money be they could make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Women ain't cheap. Yeah. So the show was shut down that week, but it was well and truly back the following week with mm-hmm. a bigger crowd than ever because of the media coverage about the raid. Seeing those cops in the club in their uniforms is what gave Richard an idea. We need mm-hmm. to come up with a character for each of the dancers. And mm-hmm. so he worked with each of them to elevate their costumes, polish up their choreo and tell a bit of a story with their performance. Mm-hmm. So there was a biker, there was a cowboy, there was a Zorro, there was a cop, <laughs> of course. Um, so it was intended to be something for every woman's fantasy. Yeah. They also introduced a no-touching policy, which was absolutely not enforced, mm. but it sort of made it naughtier and more transgressive yes. to touch the yeah. dancers. Um not only were they touching them as well, they introduced a thing called the tip and kiss where any time a woman waved any cash in front of a dancer, <laughs> he'd have to go over oh, and pass her on the mouth. Oh, no. And so, so gross for them. Each of the dancers, every uh, performance they were doing, they were kissing like three to 400 women every night because everyone wanted a piece of them. they must have been them. making mm-hmm. and the cold sores they must have I got. know. The diseases ew, they would have been ew, spreading. Ew. It's so weird watching the footage COVID of this in a COVID would have killed world. everyone in that room. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, obviously, Banerjee packed in more shows each week. Women of all ages were coming from around America. The dancers really loved their jobs because one of the perks was they always had a line of women who wanted to go home with them at the end of the night, sometimes two or three. I remember at Rhiannon's 21st, um, one of the girls we were with um, hooked up with one of the dancers Mm. afterwards. Yeah. Like after the ship, ship Mm. was a boat, docked in Darling Harbour, um, we all went on to like clubs around Darling Harbour and all the dancers just went went where Mm. all the girls went. Mm. Yeah. Did they charge? Do you know? What do you mean charge? Well, the guys from Chippendales, they started off going home with the women for free and then they realised that they could start charging oh, so they were a like few sex hundred workers. dollars. Yeah. No, no, the dancers just came and hooked up with girls because mm-hmm. they knew there was 500 girls there that wanted to hook up with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it wasn't charged. At Chippendales, it reached the point where they had orgy rooms in the <gasps> back of the club so they'd invite some of the um, female <laughs> patrons back and, um, yeah, they would and just And did you have it. to pay to enter the orgy rooms? No, the women were invited Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. It's always interesting to me, and it, it's it's a kind of double standard in the direction of women this time, that, like, it's always assumed that for men, oh, you don't need to pay them mm. for sex work because they just like the sex. It's mm. like, no, they also deserve to be paid. Mm-hmm. Pay them. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. It is, yes. Um And, yeah, they were flying this flag of this is about female empowerment. We're Mm. giving the ladies of the 80s exactly what they want. But at the same time, the dancers were being pretty juvenile a lot of the time. So anytime they'd see a woman in a boob tube, they'd go over to her and (gasps) pull it down. Shark attack Shark attack. Yes. (laughs) Sharking. (laughs) Um, And, like, lifting up women's skirts and Mm. stuff as well. Um, So that all kind of needed to be tampered down. Um, One thing I will say with the dynamic having gone to this one strip show when I was at Rhiannon's birthday and then I guess having watched the Magic Mike films Mm. is that when women are watching male strippers, it does seem like, I'm sure it sort of wasn't like this at first, but over time the power is with the strippers. Mm. The power is with the men who are like, 
you know, holding this room to ransom and all the women want them and they'll kiss the woman they want and they get a woman up on stage and let her. And it feels like, you know, when men go to seedy women's strip clubs, it's like, you'll do what I want, bitch, here's Mm. a dollar. Mm. But it's so, it's very, even in a situation where women are meant to be empowered, the power balance still swung back to the men. Yep, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the women didn't mind though. No. They kept flocking there. Of course, because it's they fun. They loved everything about it. Um, but even though the popularity of the space was growing week on week on week, Banerjee wasn't going to just wait for word of mouth to do his PR for mm. him. He came up with a very savvy marketing strategy to basically use all the free press he was getting thanks to the protesters who hated Chippendales. <laughs> so there was a group of men who literally tried to sue Chippendales for discrimination because they weren't allowed in to see the show and they thought that was unfair. Oh, I thought because you because they weren't allowed to dance and I was like, Mm-mm. probs because you're ugh, but no, because they're not allowed in. Yes. Oh, but why I, do they want to go in? I, because they basically they wanted to be able to heckle it down, I think. Oh, get effed. Yeah. Go away. They just this didn't space, want the women to yeah, have something. To have something. That they like this space so is not for you. Can they there be really one thing that is not for you? Mm. Please. Um, also, there were lots of complaints from neighbours about noise and how Chippendales was destroying the piece because every morning they'd have to clear empty wine bottles and use condoms <laughs> off their lawns because when everyone left in, in a frenzy. Boob tubes down around yeah. their pants <laughs> in the gutter. <laughs> Best night ever. Mm. Yeah. Woo. Um, there was also a very real issue that Banerjee was constantly exceeding crowd limits in the club. So safely he could Ah. fit 300 people in there, but he was packing in more than 600 people night Mm. after night, which was a massive fire hazard. So he was fined again and again and again. And he just happily paid the fines because that was small change compared to the money that was coming Mm. through the door. And every fine meant a headline. So it was cheaper than paying for advertising. Oh, yeah, that's smart. He wanted to draw as much controversy as possible because when women heard about these scandals, their key takeaway was sexy muscle men are taking There's their clothes There's a male strip club? club? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, I mean, that's smart. That's clever. Um, so he was very actively stoking the controversies. One of the things I thought was most entertaining was that he'd call up evangelical church groups and tell them, we've heard that the men are getting full frontal dicks <laughs> out naked in there. So then they'd go off. They'd go and protest. Oh, that's so and smart. And they'd call the cops. Yes. And then he'd call up the media and tip them off that there was going to be this big protest that outside really the club smart. and then the cops were going to show up and mm. raid the place. It was genius and it just kept bringing more that's and more really patrons smart. in. And even the controversy about what happened with Dorothy Stratton and Paul Snyder Mm. in a way worked in their favour because the connection that they had to Chippendales was reported on. It did absolutely nothing to diminish their popularity even immediately. Just got the story further out there. They were still sold out all the nights shortly after Mm. um, Dorothy was found dead. Um, Then, in 1981, they were ready to take things to the next level. They brought in a new director slash choreographer to really elevate the show. His name was Nick DeNoyer, and he was a classic showbiz guy. Mm -hmm. Actor, director, presenter, producer, full of charm, very charismatic, 
so, magnetic energy. So they got to the point where they were like, we can't just string some songs together mm-hmm. like us with our show. We're like, we got to rehearse. We got to plan something. Yep. We got to actually put on a proper show if we're mm-hmm. asking people to pay money to come. Especially because the same women were coming back quite a lot. Right. And it's like, we've got to refresh this. Yeah. It's unclear whether Denoya saw the show and approached Banerjee and said, I want to help you, I want to mm. come on board, or if Banerjee reached out to him. But either way, he was an Emmy winner mm. for producing kids' TV shows. <laughs> yeah. In the 1970s, Unexpected. he won several Emmys for a show called Unicorn Tales that sort of Ooh. retold fairy tales, classic fairy tales, but modern-day versions of them. So he came on board and he overhauled the entire show. He added in storylines. Yep. Yeah, he knew how to he knew how to do it. Lighting cues, original scoring, and he was the one who introduced group numbers for the first time ah, as well. It had only smart. been individuals up to that point. Because that's the famous, like the famous kind of male stripper thing is five guys mm, like sync. a boy band yeah. dancing in sync, dancing in unison, and stripping off their yep. gear at the same yeah. And they'd never done that. Previously. I can't believe they hadn't done that before. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he's really like, this is going from an amateur club night to a professional theatre show. show. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's right. Erased pretty much everything that existed before he got there. Mm-hmm. Replaced Richard as the MC. Got a sexier guy in. Oh, Richard. Oh, yeah. my. Gave oh, well. Richard no credit for what he'd done in the first two years of the show's existence. He had fun while it lasted. Yeah. He tried to sue. Didn't get very far with that. Yeah, probably not. No. Yeah. Um, and Denoya then focused on whipping the dancers into shape and getting them disciplined, gave them a grueling rehearsal schedule. He was a total perfectionist and he would fire anyone who didn't follow directions. Well, that's well very enough. different from like having been approached on the beach two mm-hmm. years ago, spending the next two years of your life just turning up to this club and dancing to the music however you feel, to suddenly having a professional Broadway producer mm-hmm. expecting you to rehearse 10 hours a day, five days a week. Huge culture shock. Yes. They used to just show <laughs> up, imagine. take off their clothes, and go then home go. with a couple of yeah, women. Yeah, and then wake up at 2 p.m. the next day. That's right. Go back in again. And so now they're like, oh, sorry, this is what being a professional actor feels like. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Banerjee, meanwhile, was trying to have some input on the new show, but his ideas were like, why don't we have the guys rub whipped cream all over their bodies and... Nick just completely ignored him. That's not Broadway. That's not Broadway. Not at all. Yeah. But the fact that he was being ignored and all of his concepts Mm. weren't making it into the show started to really ruffle Banerjee's petticoats. I bet. Um, But Nick got results. The new show was exactly what the women wanted. Mm -hmm. And also around that time, Chippendale started to become a household name because they launched calendars. (gasps) Banerjee Ah. was very, very smart. Yeah. He started branching into merchandise because he knew that women would spend money on yeah. images that they could have forever of these gorgeous men. So calendars were a huge moneymaker. So then they expanded into playing cards and mugs and teddy bears. They eventually did workout videos mm-hmm. as well. The merchandise empire itself was a huge wing of the business. Smart. The next necessary step from there was to open a second club in New York City because mm. that was the global capital of nightclubs. Oh, and of theatre. Mm, absolutely. Which is what they were becoming, a theatre show. Yeah. yeah. And that's where Nick was from as yeah, well. Yeah, right, okay. So he agreed to move over to New York City, set up the new show, took a lot of the best dancers from the LA club with him, mm. got heaps of TV coverage using his industry connections to promote 
the expansion into New York. And so it was an instant success. All mm. the biggest, coolest celebrities went to see Chippendales on it's the like Upper a East Side. Yeah. It's like when Magic Mike, like mm-hmm. not the film Magic Mike, but the the original show Magic Mike that Channing Tatum was in was a real novelty that no. famous people would go to for lols. Mm-hmm. It was like fun, a fun thing to do, yeah. Totally. Um, and so it would be reported on that Brooke Shields is having her birthday yeah. party there. Andy Warhol just showed up with some of his friends. Um, and the dancers became regulars on daytime talk shows from that point on. Because <laughs> people wanted to hear about their perspective. So you can imagine Phil Donahue, Sally Jesse Raphael, Joan Rivers, they all regularly had the Chippendales on. This is why I love women so much. Because when have you ever heard of men being so interested in their female strippers' lives that they want them on daytime mm. TV to hear about them? Mm-hmm. Whereas there's a male stripper show that is phenomenally popular and the first thing women say is, get them on daytime TV. I want to hear more about their lives. Mm. Oh. After they've done a little number, of which course, they always do. Of course, you get do. a little number. And then while they're doing the interview, of course, they're sitting there in their little cuffs, collars and Yeah, and talk about whities. how they send money home to their mum and whatever. You, but, you know... Yeah. I just think that's quite sweet. Yeah. Women are like, yes, yeah, strip, I like that. But also tell me about your childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it got amazing ratings whenever they had the Chippendales on, of course, <laughs> because it. it's mostly women who are watching TV at home at during home the day. At at 12 p.m. Yeah, so they kept <laughs> so coming great. back again and again and again. And DeNoia was always there on set with the dancers. Mm-hmm. He presented himself as the face of Chippendales. Um, always delivering the talking points about female empowerment and gender equality, and he became known as Mr. Chippendale. He was introduced as the founder, the creator, the genius, and Banerjee was very bitter about this. Yes. When, honestly, he should have been grateful because Denoya, like I said, very charismatic. Took it to the next level. Yes. Yeah. And on TV, because he was media savvy and he was yeah. handsome, people was loved to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Banerjee, he was really shy. He found it very difficult to speak on camera. English mm. wasn't his first language. He had a pretty bad stutter. You can't just do the Adele interview. Media is a really hard thing mm-hmm. to do. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of getting used to. So he should have just been so grateful. Oh, Denoya's doing such a wonderful job. Yeah, like... He can be the public face. Exactly. But I bet Banerjee has an ego and he wants to be the public That's face. That's right. Yeah, of course. Yes. He tried doing a bit of media training, but it wasn't working. And he well. realised how much he hated it, but he just resented that Denoya was getting the credit for what mm. he saw as his idea, which he'd stolen from someone anyway. Mm. Um, and so this power struggle started to kind of escalate. They were mm. both trying to assert their authority. Banerjee would, like, change the cast in the LA show without Denoya knowing about it, or he'd change up the choreography and so Denoya would get so furious. He, Banerjee just starts making like dumb decisions just mm-hmm. for the sake of it, just Petty. to be like, I can make decisions too, mm-hmm. even though like just let him do it. Yep. He knows what he's doing. That's yeah. right. So they were openly having screaming fights with each other okay. in front of their staff. Mm. Um and the conflict, it just continued to fester and fester because each one was, you know, intentionally overstepping with the other one. Yeah. And then Nick, who was starting to get pretty miserable and very frustrated because he was putting so much into this business but felt like he was being undervalued, he started asking for more money. He made Chippendales the thing it was, mm. but Banerjee, notoriously cheap, just refused. 
So Nick then proposed another idea. He believed they could take the show on the road. On the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Women were already going to LA and New York purely to see the show. Why not take the show to them? Mm. And one night at dinner in a diner, Banerjee finally agreed to give Denoya the rights to the Chippendales touring show in perpetuity (gasps) as long as Banerjee got a cut of the ticket sales. Now, because the tour didn't exist yet, Banerjee thought he was giving Denoya nothing at all. He didn't think there was potential in a tour at all. He's stupid. He also (laughs) didn't know what in perpetuity meant. Oh, that means forever. Yes, correct. (laughs) Yes. He thought it might mean in theory. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, and because he's a man with an ego, he's like, I can do the Adele interview. Mm. I can sign this contract without knowing what it means. Mm-hmm. I'll just assume what it means. Oh. He thought he was tricking Denoya. No, but no, then no, no, sweetheart. The no, turned. no, no, no. Mm. Get a dictionary. By the way, the agreement was drawn up on a napkin and they <laughs> shook hands and signed it. Still signed. That holds up in court. Legally binding. Two people signing an agreement. It can be written on anything. I watch enough Law and Order. I know. Mm -hmm. So this is like a pivotal point in this story. The Mm. fact that Nick now had the rights to the Chippendales tour and off he went to focus on getting that set up. Steve Banerjee is so dumb because basically what he just did is give himself one little show in LA, Mm. one little show in New York, and Denoya gets... The rest of the world is basically what he just did. In Mm -hmm. perpetuity, which means forever. That's right. What an idiot. Mm. Um, So as I'm sure you can tell, the tour became the biggest part of the business because Uh they were performing to two, four, six thousand women every single night, Mm -hmm. always sold out, whatever city they went to. Um, And then that led to even more media coverage for Nick DeNoyer. They started calling him the Sultan of Strippers and he (laughs) happily took full credit for his creation. And again, Mm. Banerjee should have just been grateful because he was making buckets of cash. Mm. He was not having to do anything really, but instead he just got more and more bitter. He hated that DeNoyer owned the rights to the tour and that he was getting the lion's share of ticket sales. You signed it, dummy. That's right. Yeah. Plus, DeNoyer was getting a cut of the bar sales. Mm-hmm. So, Banerjee just felt like he'd been completely tricked. So, he started Not up his- tricked. DeNoyer was just smarter than you and you were dumb. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, he decided to start up his own Chippendales tour. In competition with Denoya, but also in competition with himself. Exactly. It's in breach of the contract that he made with Nick. So Nick tried to sue Banerjee Mm. and the whole thing just became completely toxic from that point onwards. So Denoya left the Chippendales, meant that he was no longer an employee of Banerjee's, but he still owned the the original Chippendales tour. Tour. Yes. So he was still taking his cut and he was Mm -hmm. still in charge of running the tour and he was still making an enormous amount of money. And also, Banerjee, no matter what tour he puts together, it's never going to be as good as Denoyer. Oh, no. Because Denoyer is an Emmy Award-winning producer. That's right. Like, he knows how to put on a show. Banerjee is a rando with a nightclub. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he would just hire the guys that would look really great in a calendar or on a mug rather than the guys who could actually, like... Put on a show. Kickstep Make turn. it entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Do a bloody... What do you call it? Kickball change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Then Denoya decided to get another bite of the cherry by starting up his own new male exotic dance tour Mm. that would 
essentially compete with the Chippendales, but America's a very big country, so he figured they wouldn't be anywhere near the same cities at the same time. So he called this new company US Mail, M-A-L-E. Ah, that's clever. Does that remind you of, um, was it ARC? No, it wasn't ARC. It was Slut. No, it was um, Stonewall mm. in Oxford Street in Sydney used to have a mail night, mm. M-A-I-L-E, but technically M-A-I-L. And what happened was they had little letters and you would write on it to someone else in the club like, mm. I think you're sexy. And then you'd give it to a super sexy gay in a little mail outfit and he'd go and deliver it to the person mm. and it was like, Male night. <laughs> Seems so innocent in the age of grinder. I doesn't know. It? I miss the Sydney gay club scene yeah. mid two thousands. Heyday. Um, their tagline for US Mail was "We deliver." <laughs> yes, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Denoya started headhunting dancers from Chippendales, mm-hmm. as well as recruiting his own new talent. And he mm-hmm. started making plans for a calendar because he really wanted to hit Banerjee merch. where it hurt. Yeah. The merch. So the goal was take Banerjee on head to head while still taking a chunk of the profits from the Chippendales tour. So he had one. Yeah. And at that same time, Banerjee embarrassed himself very, very badly. He ordered hundreds of thousands of Chippendales calendars that he'd signed off and approved. Yeah. But he hadn't paid attention to the number of days that were in each month. No. And so it was completely messed up. There were 31 days in February. 30 days in May, every month was off. And how much had he paid for the calendar? Close to a million dollars. And you can't, they're unusable. Unusable, yep. Stupid. Yes, absolutely. Stupid. So Denoya was the winner and Banerjee felt like a complete loser at this time. Which he was. Mm -hmm. And then in April of 1987, a random guy walked into Nick Denoya's office in New York City. Mm. Nick was sitting at his desk. He said, are you Nick DeNoyer? Nick said something like, depends who's asking. The guy pulled out a gun, (gasps) shot Nick in the face once, and then disappeared. Nick was dead instantly. No! And there'd only been one witness who'd seen the guy enter Nick's office. Who? And then he'd vanished. A guy who worked with Nick in that (gasps) office. So he just came in and shot him in the head? Mm -hmm. (gasps) Mm-hmm. It's Banerjee. That's what oh, everyone involved was... assumed, yeah. It's so, not his fault that he's a brilliant, competent man who knows how to put on a show. Mm-hmm. Oh, why are men, I mean the terrible ones, mm-hmm. who like someone, another man did a thing better than you. Get over it. Mm-hmm. We'll find out what no, happened in a moment. Um so you can imagine what the media coverage was like. Mm. Mr. Chippendale himself had Mad. been assassinated in his office and he'd been a staple of daytime TV. What year did years. you say this was again? 87. Okay, yeah. So he'd been on board with Chippendales for six years. And seven years after Dorothy Stratton and Paul Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, like, covering Chippendales, you were going to get good ratings mm. because it meant that you could show clips and pictures of the dancers. Yeah. So there was massive coverage about this, but it was a mystery because there was only this one witness. They only had his description to go off. It's not like they had DNA mm. evidence back then. There were no security cameras or anything. Yeah, not like now where there's a camera on every corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And certainly not in the media. The Chippendales folks couldn't say, we think it was Banerjee, but they all knew. 
everyone like, thought they, everyone thought pretty it. Pretty much it. all of them. There were a few people who thought Banerjee could never, ever, ever. He's like a lamb. There's Please. no way. But a lot of people who worked for the company, they'd seen the conflict and they told the cops about it as well. Mm. The cops did investigate Banerjee, but his alibi was airtight. There was nothing to oh, yeah, link him to because he hired someone to do it. Of Hello. Course. But they couldn't prove it. And then, as is common and certainly was common back then, because the case wasn't solved within 72 hours, it just became a cold case because they had to move on to start solving the next murder. Cold case in 72 hours. Oh, I guess in New York there was a lot of murder back. It was crazy crime Peak in New York of, yeah. in the 80s, in the Brian late 80s, Field, yeah. For sure. Um, hardly any of the Chippendales resigned, though, even though they were sure Banerjee was responsible. Um, but you need a job. You need to get paid. Of course. Need, yeah. yeah. Even some of the guys who'd left Chippendales to go to US Mail came back to mm. Chippendales because, mm. yeah, they needed the money. They needed yeah. the work. Um, so US Mail just shut down yeah. after. Okay. Yeah. Never got off the ground. Um, but the ownership of the tour went from Denoya to his siblings because he didn't have a will and they were the next of kin. Oh, so I was going to say, does that go to Banerjee? Or... No. So, like, because I was thinking straight away, is this a profit-based motive or is it just a ego-based motive? So he's not getting anything out of this really except assuaging his ego. Like killing Okay, sorry, sorry. Go, yeah. go, go. Uh, okay, go, go, go. So the brother, Denoy's brother, took over uh-huh. and he definitely wasn't I can do the Adele interview kind of guy. <laughs> yes. Figured he could run the tour and that he knew the best people to bring on board. So he fired all the best people that Denoya had hired and trained over the years, brought in some new blood. That new blood stole all the money, left the tour completely broke. Because you can't do the Adele interview, you mm. idiot. And so then Banerjee swooped in and said, I'll buy this from you for a million dollars. And the family. <gasps> That's not enough. No, but the family were desperate because they'd completely botched running the tour. And even though they firmly believed Banerjee had Denoya killed, they sold the tour to him. So then he owned 100% of the Chippendales well, Empire. One million, they would make a million dollars in like two weeks mm-hmm. of touring. <gasps> oh, yep. So now he had what he wanted, in theory, but there were all these external threats that he was fixated on, especially the fact that there were all these competing male strip clubs popping up around America. So he was very focused on trying to sue any of them that he thought were treading on his trademarks. Um, And also at that time, the cultural climate was shifting. So around then in the Reagan era, it was a time of, Christian morality and family values and religious right-wing evangelicals were protesting the clubs really hard. And then all of a sudden, male strip clubs started being targeted by arsonists. And it was assumed that it was those religious extremists who, you know, taken their protest a little bit too far. Notice none of them target female strip clubs because all of those religious evangelicals go to those. Mm. So they don't want to burn down the places they go. They just don't want women mm. to experience the women their are being sexuality. corrupted yeah. if they're enjoying something like this, oh, whereas of the men are just boys being boys. Yeah, just, you know, giving, you know, living um, up to their male instincts, mm. which are given by God. Chippendales was never targeted by an arsonist, though. Dynamics. Oh, why wasn't it? <laughs> because Banerjee, oh. he'd very cleverly identified the threat early on, and so he doubled the club's security. And that then just 
scared off anyone that might try to burn down the Chippendales Club. That sounds fishy. Mm. Mm. Um, and again, all the publicity around the arsons ultimately just helped get the word out about these all-male reviews mm. that were going on. But Banerjee's philosophy of scandals are just free marketing. Mm didn't ring true forever. So in the late 80s, he had a few legal catastrophes happen. Firstly, he was slapped with a major class action lawsuit by a group of black men who'd been refused entry to the club based on their race. And he ended up having to pay them quite a bit of money. Was that true? They didn't let black men in? Um, It came to light that Banerjee had a policy that he would only ever have one black man on staff. So he had that sort of element of exoticism for some of the women who were Mm -hmm. into that fantasy. And he also would not allow black patrons into the club because he thought that was going to make it look like it was a gangster hangout, in his words. He was oh, so he's a total racist. racist. Yes. Okay, he's a yeah. total racist. Just in case you couldn't tell, he was a total arsewart. He wow. yeah, okay. really was a piece. Um, then it was also alleged that Banerjee hired a hitman to try to assassinate the ringleader of the class action lawsuit as well. <laughs> that didn't reflect well on him. Uh-oh. Um... And then also when the cops found out the dancers were running an illegal side hustle Mm. as sex workers, Banerjee only fired the black guy who was doing exactly what all the other dancers were doing as well. Just a real piece of shit. A real piece of work. Um, And if that wasn't bad enough to get the club shut down, the overcrowding breaches reached the point that the city of LA finally, after a decade of just (laughs) serving fine after fine after fine, they shut the venue down like in 1988. Yeah, they are very lucky there wasn't a major Absolutely. fire. Absolutely, yeah. And because people would have died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing that they let it go on for a decade Hundreds before they shut it down. Hundreds of people would have died Absolutely. with that kind of overcrowding in a small venue. Uh-huh. So they um, finally shut it down. Shut it down. Banerjee found another location in LA, but it bombed, mm-hmm. which didn't really matter because he still had the New York Club, which was thriving. And the tour. The tour and the merch. And he decided to take the tour international, which was genius. Mm. He convinced Michael Jackson's very sceptical tour promoter to set up a tour of the UK mm. around theatres, not clubs, theatres. Yeah. This is when it became a real spectacle. Um, it was an instant sellout. It kept growing to the point that at one stage there were five different Chippendales troops touring around mm. Europe at the same time. The money that would be made. Oh, my God. He should have retired. Yeah. He had more money than God, but instead he fixated on trying to shut down all the competitors that were flooding the market. He yeah. just couldn't let anyone else have a piece of the pie, even though he had by far the biggest piece. Yeah. He tried to sue his competitors for stealing his concept. Didn't work tried to force all the um, clubs around the world to sign exclusive deals with Chippendale, saying they wouldn't take on different Mm. troops. That didn't work. And the one troop that really, really got under his skin was Adonis, the men of Hollywood, (gasps) the one that had been set up by former Chippendales I mentioned at the beginning. Oh, so when at the beginning you said that that guy had Mm an assassination threat against him, oh, my God, it's totally Steve Banerjee. It was really, really real, yep. Um, So Banerjee in 1991 Mm. approached his old mate Ray Cologne. He was the one who (laughs) said... Ray Cologne. Yes. Great name. At the beginning, he was the one who said, you've got to play disco here Uh, if you want to get this place off the ground. So he'd been hanging around with Banerjee ever since then and he'd become Banerjee's fixer. He would just do whatever Banerjee needed in terms of odd jobs, quite literally like plumbing. What's the bet Ray Cologne's name was like Ray Thompson? And when he entered the club scene, he was like, no, it's Ray Cologne. Um, 
It's spelt C-O-L-O-N. So I don't think he would have chosen this because I guarantee oh. most people would have called him Ray Colin. Colin. Well, mm. then it probably was Colin. Why are you saying Cologne? It's Cologne. How do you know? All the documentaries and podcasts and everything. But I mean, what about Cologne. Colin Powell? That's C-O-L-A-N. No, his, wasn't his name Colin? Colin Powell, yeah, Colin but it was spelled C-O-L-I-N. So why didn't they call him Colin? Because America's weird. Very. America calls um, Craig, Craig. Yeah, that one always gets me. Yeah, me too. It's so weird. And Aaron and Aaron? Yeah, why? They just Craig isn't Craig. It's Craig. Mm. And it's like you say to an American, how do you say Greg? And they go, Greg. And you, how do you say Craig? And they go, Craig. It's like, I'm sorry. Mm. Those two don't rhyme. You are weird. Anyway. Yeah, so now Banerjee needed Cologne to go and fix this Adonis problem. Mm -hmm. And the direction he gave was that he wanted several members of Adonis killed while they were on tour of the UK so it couldn't be linked back to Banerjee. Obvious solution. Mm. Obvious solution. Because it'll send a message to everybody else. Um, He told Cologne he'd pay $25,000 for each member of Adonis he could take out and Cologne accepted the job but he wasn't going to actually do it himself. He roped in a buddy of his who was a guy called Strawberry. He had red hair, so (laughs) that was the name he'd given himself. Uh Um, Cologne gave Strawberry a brief over a few drinks one night and according to Strawberry, he was scared when he heard what the plan was. As he tells it, he's only said that he'd do the job because he thought, oh, crap, I know too much Mm. and they might actually kill me if I refuse to take this job on. So Mm. he agreed to do it. Col- uh, colon. Cologne. I think colon suits him better, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's setting up a murder. Let's call mm. him colon. Um, he equipped Strawberry with an eyedropper bottle full of cyanide, which was enough to kill more than 230 people, <laughs> and a syringe, and told him his mission was to kill the MC of Adonis and his manager and a few of other other dancers, Mm. as many as he had time for, basically. Then he drove Strawberry to the airport, bought him a plane ticket to England and watched him board the flight. Strawberry landed in England, ditched the cyanide and needles in the airport toilet immediately. He wasn't going to go through with this plan. He hung around in the UK for a few days pretending he was sort of scoping out what was going on. Then he jumped on a plane back to the States, went to the FBI office Mm. in Los Angeles, walked in and told them exactly what he'd been hired to do. Good job, Colin. Uh-huh. Smart. Strawberry. Strawberry. Sorry. So Steve Banerjee at this point must have completely lost his mind. <laughs> yes. But then also he's lost his mind and he's got people willing to go through on his whims like Colin mm-hmm. when he's clearly nuts. Mm-hmm. Lucky Strawberry was like, I'm going to put a stop to this nonsense. Yes. I mean, the FBI, once they'd heard the whole story, they did kind of think, "Mm, we think maybe you would have gone through with this if it was more feasible than it was, but you probably saw that this was going to be incredibly difficult to stick a guy with cyanide. What was the plan? You've got an eyedropper of cyanide and you have been told to kill, what, about 10 people. How was he going to do it? Just walk up to them and go, open your mouth. (laughs) Sneak up on them. Like how? The original brief from Cologne was try to do it in a crowded place. So like if they're on a dance floor or something and just go and stick it in them there. But he he realised he wasn't going to be able to do it. You'd get one person max like that. Yeah. And how would you get like the boss man? Like you're not, 
the MC. Like, that's so ridiculous. It hadn't been thought through, no. It really hadn't been thought through. And it all sounded preposterous to the FBI agents Mm. as well. And they thought, okay, maybe Strawberry's just a nutcase. But they warned the dancers regardless and started an investigation, which meant... So that was that night that you mentioned at the start. They read off stage. trying to kill you by sticking you with cyanide. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Yep. An assassin has just become an informant for us. And they were being paid to kill you. Um, the first thing they needed to do was get Strawberry to call Cologne and get him to say something incriminating Mm. on tape, which was too easy. Strawberry just called Cologne and said, are you sure that poison's going to work? And Cologne was like, well, yeah, but I don't know, maybe hit them with a hammer or a brick or something on the head first to knock them unconscious and then that'll make it easier for you. So he just totally said oh, yeah. anything he needed to and say. And he confirmed the names of the targets and the amount of payment mm. and the FBI were like, oh, heavens, this is real. So they put Strawberry in witness protection program mm-hmm. and arrested Cologne. He spent months sitting in jail, not talking at all. Mm. Almost seven months before Cologne's lawyer finally convinced him to snitch on Banerjee. Mm. Um, When he was kind of planning that he was just nobly going to take the fall for Banerjee because he was quite unwell at this stage in his life. He had kidney disease and I think Mm. at first he thought, I'll do the noble thing and I'll just die in jail fairly soon. That's not noble, that's dumb. It is, very. Um, So he snitched and when he snitched, he didn't just snitch about the Adonis murder plot. He told the FBI that Banerjee paid him to burn down the competing arsons. street I was going to say the arsons. Mm-hmm. They blamed it on evangelical Christians, but for once evangelical Christians weren't the worst. That's right. Someone <laughs> was worse. Once. Okay. Um, Banerjee had paid him to shoot at ex-Chippendales <gasps> dancers who'd gone off to make their own calendars just to send a message, like don't actually kill them but just shoot at them so they know there's a threat. You don't own the concept of men stripping off. Mm-hmm. You don't own it. Banerjee'd asked Cologne to kill a doctor who'd pissed him off somehow, as well as the doctor's <laughs> 12-year-old son. What? Banerjee's crazy. Mm-hmm. He'd just decided the solutions to his problems kill after everyone. he'd killed Denoyer, which... Worked. Yes, Cologne Worked. confessed to. He was like, oh, well, this is... Cologne was the one who went in and shot. Cologne had paid another guy to do it. Oh, but wow. had Cologne not confessed this to the FBI, Denoy's case never forever. would have gone solved. But he said, Banerjee paid me to arrange that murder. So this was huge if it was all true, but it was kind of hard to tell if yeah. Cologne really was telling the truth. So they started verifying things. They verified all the cases of arson. That all checked out. Mm. Then they set up a sting operation with the guy who um, Cologne had paid to kill, Denoyer. He confessed everything on tape. Mm. So he ended up being tried for that murder. They then, though, needed to link it all back to Banerjee conclusively. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be tricky because Banerjee was refusing to have any contact with Cologne at all. He knew he'd been arrested and therefore must be compromised. And what was this, late 80s? This is early 90s. And so there's no email trails. There's no, like, literally they would have just talked to each other on the phone, which back then Mm -hmm. was not recorded or documented Mm -hmm. in any way. So if you wanted to, you could just refuse to cooperate. How are they ever going to prove it? That's right. There's no text message. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It became very, very tricky. Um, Meanwhile, Banerjee at this time, to try to keep Cologne quiet, he was paying all his legal fees, but he'd sort of set up this elaborate way that he'd take a briefcase full of cash to drop it off to one guy, who'd drop it off to another guy, who'd drop Mm. it off to a bar, who'd take it to Cologne's (laughs) lawyer. 
Um, like he, because he was paranoid, he really thought about making mm. sure there were no trails that could lead things back to him. The FBI spent months orchestrating a really elaborate sting operation to finally get Banerjee to condemn himself on tape. They went to the lengths of making it look like Cologne had been sent home on house arrest and then he'd fled the country so that then he could try to lure Banerjee to come over to Europe. First off, he tried Italy and then ultimately it ended up being Switzerland. But the FBI were, like, taking him to those places. Yes. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. which was all a massive risk mm. um, because he could have run away at yeah. some point. But he proved again and again and again, I'm on your side. I yeah. really want you to get this Banerjee guy. He is a piece of shit and I see that now. Mm. I should never have stayed friends with him. Um, Banerjee, he was certain that Cologne had been compromised. So he was very, very, very cagey. They had a few meetings here and there. Ultimately, finally, Cologne did get Banerjee alone in a Swiss hotel room, which the FBI had bugged. Banerjee showed up wearing a wig and a fake mustache. <laughs> so nervy, really just couldn't bring himself to believe that he could trust Cologne. Somehow, Cologne, such a great actor, managed to mm. calm Banerjee down. And then they spent five hours discussing all the different crimes that had been committed. <laughs> over the course of years. For someone so paranoid, Banerjee's really stupid. Yes, and so arrogant because one of the things that really was the final nail in the coffin was him saying, look, even if you did talk, the FBI still wouldn't be able to prove that I gave you that gun, that I gave you Nick DeNoyer's <laughs> address and that I paid you X amount to Unless have him executed. Unless they listen to this recording of what I just said. Yep. <laughs> he didn't think that the FBI had jurisdiction to be mm. off American soil. That's why he'd only agreed to finally meet with Cologne But he overseas. also didn't know that in perpetuity meant forever, yeah. so I think he's an idiot. Yeah. yeah, he thought he was a lot smarter than he was. Mm. Now, I have condensed that whole thing right down. This sting operation... Mm was its own saga, could be its own, just the gist. There is an episode about this in a series that I'll tell you about later called um, Curse of the Chippendales. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, an episode of the documentary series, Curse of the Chippendales, and the podcast series, Welcome to Your Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And there are so many twists and turns along the way here, and I want you to listen because hearing the FBI agent involved describe <laughs> what happened and how unorthodox it was is fantastic. And also, you get to hear how the FBI agents ended up becoming really good friends with Ray Cologne mm. to the point that they were um, donating blood for blood transfusions that he needed and they were Aww. taking him to his dialysis appointments. Like, See, they became I, his carers. I kind of feel like I like Cologne, but then I'm like, you organised the assassination mm-hmm. of, uh, what's his name? Denoya. Denoya. Yeah. So... Even though you drew the line at infecting 10 strippers with cyanide, Mm. you did kill someone else or at least orchestrated the killing of someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I wouldn't be giving him blood is what I'm saying. They bonded with him. Also, keeping him alive, quite important if they wanted to then put Banerjee on trial, which they very much did. Mm. Um, They didn't arrest Banerjee for another seven months after Mm. they had his confession because they just had to make sure they had all their ducks lined up because he was very wealthy and they Mm. knew he could wriggle off the hook if they didn't come up with an airtight case. But finally, he was arrested. Again, huge news story. Mm. Chippendales showing lots of clips of beefcakes in G-strings and talking about this incredible scandal. Banerjee used 
his money, of course, just like Elizabeth Holmes, to delay the trial for mm. as long as possible. It wasn't until October 1994 that he was finally due to mm. take the stand, but the trial didn't go ahead because he pled guilty. He figured there was no way he was going to get off for these crimes, so he just confessed, knowing full well he was going to be sentenced to a minimum of 25 years in prison, which was going to be the rest of his life, essentially, because yeah. he was in his late 40s. Then... The night before he was due to be sentenced, he took his own life by <gasps> hanging himself in his jail cell. Jeffrey Epstein. Mm. Mm. Yes. And so that meant justice kind of couldn't be served, but it also meant from a legal standpoint that the trial remained incomplete, which meant that the government couldn't then seize his assets. And so ownership of Chippendales, which the government was hoping they'd take control mm. of, instead went to Banerjee's wife. Oh, so he did it for purely commercial That's greed right. reasons. Yes, he wow. didn't want the okay. government to take his business. He wanted it to go to his wife and then ultimately yeah. to his kids. Yeah. Um, his wife hired people to keep the Chippendales brand alive for a while, but yeah. then she died shortly after that of mm. cancer. Well, I'm sure young. she had a very sad relationship yeah. with him. I feel sorry for her. Um, and then custody of her kids went to her sister mm. along with all of her assets, which included Chippendales. And the only reason that I mention this is because it's hugely ironic that the husband of that sister worked for the FBI. So a guy <laughs> who was an agent at the FBI ended up becoming the owner of Chippendales. Oh, that's kind of cool. Then yeah. the people who kind of helped bring him down, one of them did get it in the end. Ended up profiting from it. Yep. Yeah. Um, they ended up selling the company and then it kept changing hands every couple of years throughout the 90s. Your mate Lou Perlman owned them for a while. Shut up. Around 1996. Oh, it's like every sleazy hustler has Had tried to have fingers in Chippendales. Yep. Ew. Um, but each investor wanted to keep the brand alive and tried yeah. to sort of ignore the scandals, ignore the scandals. We've got a squeaky clean image. Mm. The New York club stayed open until 2001. It mm. only shut down because 9-11 shut down a lot of businesses oh, sure, yeah. over there. Um, but the tour kept going and it's kept evolving to sort of keep up with the tastes of its mm. patrons. At the moment, it has a very millennial nostalgic vibe. There's mm -hmm. lots of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC numbers Perfect. in there to Amazing. cater to our demographic. I'd go to that. Oh, and you would love it. <laughs> I'd go to that in up. a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they've got a residency in Vegas at yeah. the moment. Um, that enjoyed a huge surge in popularity after Magic Mike came yeah. out in 2012. That created like a renaissance mm. for male stripping. Um, they had to start doing online streaming thanks to COVID Aww. and they've kept going with that because it turned out to be quite profitable. Um, and, yeah, they, they're still going strong, as are their many competitors. Mm. And even though they were some of the most disgusting pieces of vomit that history's ever known and that we've ever discussed on this show, it's because of Paul Snyder and Steve, Steve Banerjee. They made this happen. And so that, my dear, is just the gist of the Chippendales crime spree. Wow. Mm. Well, look, I think it needs to be said that Paul Snyder and Steve Banerjee never imagined it would be any kind of um, vehicle for female empowerment. Not at all. They were not thinking about flipping the gender dynamics no. and, and um, being subversive in the face of sexism. They were just thinking about money. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That was really good. Thank you. Fascinating story. And really I'm sure you all want more. 
Um, there is a fantastic documentary. So a lot of things came out this year, 2021, because it's 30 years since oh, they had was, that assassination yeah, attempt. Yeah, I was and that's wondering when it started to come to light because I watched a 2020 episode about it, mm. um, which you know, 2020 goes for like 20 minutes, so it barely went into any of this detail. But I was wondering why they had released that this year. Mm. So it's been 30 years. And so a documentary came out this year called Curse of the Chippendales, Mm. four parts, amazing, Mm -hmm. highly recommend. The characters that you get to meet who used to work as dancers or as producers, Mm. like it's just sensational. Um, There's also a podcast series called Welcome to Your Fantasy that Mm. came out this year. Uh, That's a nine-part series. Wonderful host, really, really well um, researched yeah. and great interviews in that one as well. Um, and then a couple of things that are coming up, some fictionalised stuff. So Hulu's doing a series with Kumail Nanjiani oh, as him. Steve Banerjee. Ah, oh, he'd be great. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And also a movie's coming with Dev Patel as Steve Banerjee. Oh, so two awesome. works okay. in production right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are already a few movies that are out there. Naveen Andrews, who plays Sonny in The Dropout. Stop he it. He played Steve Banerjee in a 2000 I didn't know he played Sonny movie. in The Dropout. Yeah. Oh. He's going to be really All good. I remember him from, I mean, obviously he's from Lost, but also he was in that movie Diana with Naomi Watts. And I went to the premiere of that with Tony and um, it was one of those movies that didn't mean to be funny, but it was. And even at the premiere, people in the cinema were laughing their heads off <laughs> at every, particularly the scenes between Naomi Watts and Naveen Andrews because they were so cheesy and lame. So I'm glad he's doing better things now. Well, that movie was apparently atrocious and oh. I didn't even bother watching it because I read the reviews and they were oh, like, oh, no. this is garbage. Um, he was good in Lost. He, he was, was very, very, good, very in good in Lost. Yes. Mm. That was a really good one. I was on Thank the edge you. of my seat the whole time. <gasps> way to end the year. Yes. What a way to end the year. Um, we have a couple little, uh, well, uh, on Christmas Day, we're going to, tomorrow, mm. re-release another app. So just keep an eye out on the feed. And on New Year's Day, we'll be doing a 2021 wrap-up, mm-hmm. as has become our tradition, because yeah. we did it once, <laughs> and so now we're doing it again. Um, and what a year, my friend. Mm. I was in the nut house. You've had many different shades of tan. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. It really has. I mean, personally, selfishly, I've mostly had a fantastic year. Yeah, you have. I'm very, very, very lucky. Um, My mantra this year has been, do you remember years ago, there was an Australian newsreader, she tried to say, when she was talking about a lotto winner, she tried to say the luckiest man in the country and instead she accidentally said the luckiest cunt in the man tree. (laughs) And so all year I've been telling myself, I am the luckiest cunt in this man tree. I've been very fortunate. You basically had a year avoiding COVID by being in beautiful exotic locations. Yeah, and you were saying before you you have managed to get through the last two years. You have not had a single COVID test. I haven't needed to because you haven't needed to. I've had like eleven, but yeah, you've you've had a good year. Mm -hmm. So fucking good for fucking you. (laughs) All right, (laughs) don't beep that. Let us have two swears at the end of the year, Lindsay. Please, please. Okay, we love you all. We'll do a little uh, Christmas Day introduction of our Santa app, which is amazing. Re-listen to it, and um, and we'll see you on New Year's Day. Bye. Bye. 
Listener.